0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Luke 22. Luke chapter 22. And when you find Luke 22, if you would stand and we'll read a few verses here and then jump in. I do want to say, as my wife already mentioned, we thank you so much for this weekend, for the week. It's been a great week for our family. We've enjoyed the hospitality. We've enjoyed getting to know you. It was a very special time for our family to stand up here this morning and have you walk by and shake our hands. And uh, it's just nice to see you face to face and hear your name. I didn't say remember your names, but we, we at least heard your names once. And if you'll be patient with us as we try to remember uh, you may it may take you as long longer to remember our kids' names than it will for us to remember all your names, um, but we're thankful. It's been a blessing. We've enjoyed it. If nothing else ever comes from this, God has used this church this week to be a blessing to the Jet family, and we're thankful for that. Luke twenty two. We'll read just uh, just a uh, four verses here, beginning in verse thirty one. And it, it may be a little bit different type of message tonight, but I, I feel like this is something God has led me to say kind of from my heart, um, and I hope it'll, it, it would be clear tonight. Luke twenty two thirty one. it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go. Can't you just see the clinch or hear? Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Tonight I would like to just spend a few few moments... uh, preaching to you about the danger of transitions, the danger of transitions. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word, and we pray that you would bless it tonight. And I know, Lord, I pray that you would help call me and help me to convey this. Clearly, you know where my heart is, and I'm just asking that you would bless our time together, help it to be profitable, help us to have open hearts. And I thank you for these good folks. I pray that you'd bless them and continue to work through Eastside Baptist Church. And Lord, we're thankful for all that you've done for us in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you can be seated. So before this question comes up tonight, afterwards, during the question and answer time, then I have to answer the question that may be on everyone's mind, and that is, no, I have never been to prison. Okay. In case you were going to ask that, I just wanted to mention that I haven't. My wife, on the other... No, just kidding. Okay. On the other hand... You know, I know that some in here may have you know, spent time for one reason or another. I'm thankful that God brings us past our past. Um, But there are two things I assume about being in prison, and that is, number one, I would not last very long. I don't think I'm cut out for that. But two... If, if the old World War II uh, prisoner of war movies that my dad made me watch as a kid, if those are true, then I know exactly how to escape. See, it's pretty simple. All you have to do to escape is wait for the guards to have a shift change. You know, you've probably seen those. I, as a kid, my dad would watch these, he called them war pictures, and we'd watch these war pictures, and, and that's what they always waited. Wait for the guards to have a transition in the middle of the night, and when the transition is made, that's when we make our break. A time of transition was the best time. It was in that moment that the guards were distracted, and they were distracted just enough that there, a window, a sliver of, of, of time was there and available for escape to take place. Transitions are opportunities for freedom if you're the prisoner. But transitions are opportunities for failure if you're the guard. See, transitions are important for both parties and in life. When it comes to our transitions, we're really more the guard in that story. See, how we treat a transition could make or break us. If you're not careful, the transitions will be the times when you let your guard down. During a transition, you're the guard, and there's a shift change, and you're thinking about getting to your post, or you're thinking about leaving your post. We're distracted. We're maybe not paying as close of attention as we had. Our schedule's a little different. Things are up in the air, and and how you deal with that transition either puts you at risk for failure or sets you on the path for success. Unless you think I'm being overly dramatic, the text that we read here in Luke 22 is a warning from Jesus Christ right before a major transition. See, all the disciples here in this chapter were about to deal with something that they weren't quite prepared for. See, so just a few verses later, Jesus Christ is arrested and he's put on trial to be crucified. And these disciples have been following him for over three years. So you have to think their pattern of life was pretty set. Their, their, over For over three years, Jesus Christ was there. Their, their daily life centered on his schedule. So when Judas betrays Jesus a few verses later, and they arrest him, and they take him away so he's no longer with them. Well, you talk about a big transition. Well, for over three years, every day they were with him, and every day he's there telling them what to do, and, and he's giving them direction, and now suddenly he's arrested, and he's no longer there with them his presence is not there so knowing that that's what is coming let's look at verses 31 and 32 again jesus knows what's about to happen and the lord said simon simon behold satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat but i have prayed for thee that thy, thy faith fail not and when thou art converted strengthen thy brethren so what was jesus saying here what he's telling peter without peter knowing what really is about to happen is he saying, Peter, there's a major transition that's about to take place tonight. It's about to happen. And if you're not careful, Peter, it will either make you or break you. And honestly, this period of time almost breaks Peter for good. The presence of Christ had loomed so large in his life. That everything he did was about the Lord. I mean, he had from the very beginning, he laid down his nets to follow Christ. He laid down his nets as a fisherman. He left everything to follow, and then suddenly Jesus is gone. And Peter wasn't ready for it. Eastside Baptist Church, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. And I'm not trying to be a fatalist here tonight. I'm just trying to get you to understand he wants to take you down spiritually. And it's not like he's he's never wanted to take you down spiritually before this. I'm just saying, in a time of transition, if you let your guard down, that may be the time that he comes and he tries to attack you with even more fervor and with even more passion and with uh, even, even more uh, disdain and, and more intensity. He wants to take this church. He wants to take you down. He wants to sift you as wheat. He wants to render you ineffective for Jesus Christ. And Ephesians 6 says, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There are, there are forces that are attempting to destroy this church all the time. But when I began to think about the transition that lies ahead, you know, Pastor Spencer, you know, potentially in stepping away and God bringing in a new pastor. And if it's myself or someone else, I'm just saying to you tonight that Satan desires to, to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And there's more no more vulnerable time than during a transition. And Satan wants nothing more than to get his foot in the door and render you useless for God. How many true voices for Jesus Christ are represented in Sioux Falls, South Dakota? Not many. And he wants to take one that stands about the strongest and he wants to render it ineffective. He wants these doors to close. He wants this building raised to the ground. And he'd love for Eastside East Baptist Church to stop fulfilling its mission. And I'm not trying to scare you tonight, but you're being hunted right now. First Peter 5a, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walketh around seeking whom he may devour. And that same verse, you know, says that we have to be sober. We have to be in our right minds. We have to be vigilant. We have to be on guard. And guess who wrote that verse? Peter. Right. The same man that Jesus Christ looked at and said, Peter, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Years later is writing, Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And if anyone knows about the sifter, it's Peter. And we should listen. And from the time Satan targeted Eve in the Garden of Eden until he's released at, that, at the end of that millennial uh, reign of Christ and finally, eventually, praise the Lord, thrown into that lake of fire, he has one goal, and that is to destroy God's people. He wants to destroy everything God has made, including people, including the cause of Christ, including me and you, and Satan is hunting you, and like some animal on the African savannah, he's in the tall grass, and we're just drinking water. We're not really paying close attention, and the lion's always hunting. He wants to take us out, and he would love nothing more. According to Ephesians 6, he's wily he's crafty, and he's throwing darts, and he's doing whatever he can. Don't underestimate him because he's smart, and he's sneaky, and he has sifted many of God's people and God's churches because he attacks when our guard is down. And if we're not careful, he'll come during a transition. In our text, Jesus tells Peter, Satan wants to take you down, and it's like Peter doesn't really realize What Jesus Christ is saying, he doesn't realize how crafty Satan is, and he essentially says, Satan, ha, Lord, I'm ready to die for you. Satan almost sifts Peter, because Peter didn't have an appropriate awareness of his sifting power. And tonight is simple. I just want to give you three mistakes to avoid in a transition, so that you're not sifted. Three mistakes to avoid in a transition so that we're not sifted. And the first mistake that Peter made was he let distance come between himself and Jesus Christ. Look down in verse 54. This is after Christ has been arrested. Luke 22, 54. Then they took him, then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed far off didn't he see peter follows a far off peter spent over three years right by jesus side and and now he's following a far off because he's afraid and very often the first thing to slip in a transition is your closeness with jesus christ you know your schedule is different things are up in the air new people come are coming in and out of your life and while you mourn the losses and you get used to the new folks you might get out of the habit And you might just let your guard down enough to think, well, you know, one day here or there is okay, and one day turns to two days, and two days turns to three days. And if you're anything like me, it doesn't take very long to just get out of the habit of being close to Jesus Christ. And a transition is the worst time to allow distance between you and Jesus. You, you, and, you need Jesus Christ now more than you ever had. Your relationship with Him is more important now than it's probably ever been. Just the knowledge that Satan is lurking should keep you close to your protection. But especially knowing how vulnerable this time is should make you say, I will not leave His side. Your own walk with God will determine some very important things. The closer you are to Christ, and this is a really important one in the midst of a transition. The closer you are to Jesus Christ, the less defendable you are. I mean, you talk about, and Brother Spencer, you could, t- you could say this better than I, you talk about how Satan gets his foot in the door, and that's through offense. And I don't mean a fence. I mean Offense. When we're not right with the Lord and we're not as close to Christ as we need to be, and we're not seeing things as clearly as we ought to, it seems like we're bothered by everything. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. See, if you're not close to Christ, uh, you're not in the Word. And if you're not in the Word... You will be offended by everything. And Eastside Baptist Church, if I could just implore you with as much passion as I can convey in this moment, stay close to Jesus Christ, if for nothing else, so that when something happens that you don't like, it's not offensive to you. Because if Satan is going to take this church down, he's not going to bring a bulldozer to the front door. He's going to start between this brother and this brother, and this sister and that sister. And during a transition, when everyone's guard is down and things are different, and we're kind of just kind of loosen up on a few things, if you don't stay close to Jesus Christ, everything bothers you. In other words, there's no more important time for unity than right now. And there's no way for unspiritual people who are not close to Jesus Christ to be unified. It just doesn't happen. See, if you're not close to Christ, you can't bear the fruit of the Spirit. And if you can't bear the fruit of the Spirit, then you'll be filled with works of the flesh. And if everyone is in that frame of mind, watch out. So this would be the worst time to allow distance between you and Jesus Christ. You need Him now more than ever. If you don't want to be sifted, refuse to allow distance between you and your Savior. Remember, we're talking about space, and Satan, the great sifter, is waiting for it. All he needs is a sliver, and you're sifted because a lion never attacks the herd. I mean, a lion finds the outliers, and he finds the ones that are by themselves, and that's what he's going after. So Peter made the mistake of allowing space, allowing distance between himself and Jesus Christ. The second thing, the second mistake that Peter made is in verse 55. It says he sat down among them. Look at verse 55. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. And you might say, well, what's wrong with that? Jesus was around the lost. He was around believers all the time. And I know that's true, but what was Jesus' reason for sitting among the people? He was there to reach them. He was there to tell them about their sin and God's judgment and God's love. And I'm afraid to tell you, unless you were mistaken about this, Peter's not soul winning around this fire. His reason for sitting down among unbelievers is to blend in. He's hiding out. And in a transition, you might find yourself withdrawing from the people that you need the most and finding a different circle to associate with. Well, you know, the new pastor, he won't notice that I'm not there you know, I, I've, I, I can spend some time doing these other things that I, I've been hoping to do or it just doesn't feel the same and, and I, so I'm not going to go on Sunday nights because, you know, it's just not the same and, or his preaching, and this may be very real, his preaching isn't as good. So I don't need to go as much. And I understand it. When things are different, it's not easy. I've been through transitions before and the last thing I wanted to do was just stay the course. Because it feels so different. And you just want to kind of make a change. And I understand, but the danger in that is God is clear number one, God is clear that his plan for edifying his people to be more like Jesus Christ is through the local church. So it's not something that you can just bypass at your own discretion. But second, if you back off here, you'll fill that void with something inferior. Because that's how we operate. We operate within a community and we appreciate the relationships and most of us attach ourselves to a community somewhere and for some it's school or your workplace or your neighbors or your family or some club or sports or activities or whatever it is, but the primary community in your life as a child of God ought to be a local church. And if that's not first, it's pretty easy to become imbalanced, And by that, I mean we make the non-spiritual things the priorities and the only source of spiritual strength. I mean, think about it. On a weekly basis, outside of your own time with God in the Scripture and through prayer, what other voices in your life are you hearing spiritual things from? I mean, you, you don't hear it at the grocery store, and if you go to public schools, kids, you're not hearing at the public schools, and you're not hearing it on the ball fields, and, and you're not hearing it at whatever clubs you're involved in or activities, and I'm not saying that those things are wrong, but if we elevate those things to the position of priority in our lives, and we kind of let the church and this circle right here be lowered so that the spiritual voice in our life becomes quieter and quieter and quieter, we are setting ourselves up to be sifted. And I've known many good church members who, for one reason or another, they backed off of their commitment to God's house, to that local church, and very soon they find themselves being most heavily influenced by non spiritual voices. Peter and the disciples parted ways when this transition happened. That strong circle is now broken apart, and Peter ends up sitting around a fire with non believers. And you know what he did? He sat down to warm himself by the world's fire. He jumped into a new circle that wasn't going to help him spiritually, and the circle he chose was what took him down. It's what put him in that position to fail. And this transition is not the time to detach yourself from Christ or this local church. These are the ones that influence you spiritually. This is your family. This is your community. From this room right here are where the spiritual voices will be coming. You must make the choice to plant yourself among God's people. Instead of detaching yourself from this local church, plug in even more. Find a ministry, volunteer, be accountable to somebody, because I'll tell you this, the world's fire seems warm, but it will always burn you. And right up front, you think, wow, this feels nice and good, but after a while, you realize it's leaving scars. And a lot of God's people, in the time of transition, rather than plugging in, they're unplugging Be careful of being drawn into a community that is not concerned about your spiritual life. Transitions are dangerous because they make us think it's time for change. And some of you will be sifted if you sit down in a circle near where the lion hunts. Satan's circling that fire, and sometimes we have no idea. So Peter made the mistake of allowing distance between himself and Christ, and then he sat down in the wrong circle. And then third, he chose to blend in rather than be bold. See, Peter's confronted three times around that fire. Remember, he, just, he told Jesus Christ just a chapter before, I will die for you. And this little girl comes along, and then two other men come along and they all identify him as one of Christ's disciples. And, and we, I'm not going to read it. You'd probably, I think you know the story, but here's bold Peter. Just, just six ver- verses before, he hacked somebody's ear off. He pulled out a sword and said, uh, I'll take care of this for you, Jesus. And now he can't even admit he follows him. And you see, another mistake we make in a transition is we back off of our commitment to the cause of Christ. See, Peter found himself less passionate about representing Christ. His commitment to the Lord began to drop. And I don't think that there's any, there's no accident that when someone backs off of the circle, then their personal commitment to the cause of Christ also starts to trend downward. Your strength as a servant and your strength as a witness, and your, your boldness to reach others for Jesus Christ is directly connected to how tightly you're connected to the circle here. Many, in a time of transition, um, you know, when our commitment levels should rise, they back off instead of planting and digging in. And when that happens, someone else has to pick up the slack, don't they? The responsibility that they used to have isn't being fulfilled, and ministries go undone, and Classes are left untaught, and carpets are left uncleaned, and trash is left untaken out, if that's even a word. Ministries get left undone because someone backs off of their commitment to their ministry, to the cause, and everyone is, ends up scrambling all because someone took the opportunity in a transition to take a step back rather than buckle down and be committed. Now it's not the time to fade out. Now is the time to be all in. See, being all in means there's nothing that comes between you and your walk with God. Being all in means there's no excuse good enough to keep you away from church. Being all in means there's no task at church, there's no task that somebody asks you to fulfill that's too inconvenient or below your level. Being all in means there's no ministry too undesirable for you to help in. Being all in means there's no prayer meeting too early or late for you to attend. Being all in means there's no soul that you'll walk by and forget about witnessing to. Being all in means there's nothing that God asks of you that's too much for you to say yes to. That's being all in. All in means you're a yes person. If God asks, yes. All in means you don't disappear during a transition. Rather than fade out, be all in. And you say, well, that's pretty radical. Well, I mean, maybe. In our, in our culture it is. Most people treat church like a club. Most people fit church in, they fit God in, wherever, whatever compartment they can find that's open in the moment. But, when, but I want you to remember, kind of like this morning's message, the links that God went for you. And when you consider the cross and you consider the cause that Jesus Christ has commissioned his local churches to be a part of, you don't need Brother Spencer to stand up here and motivate you. When in your own mind you see that, and you read Matthew 28, 19, and it says, "'Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost,' teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. When you read that and you recognize the cross, you don't need somebody to stand up here and motivate you to get involved. When it's your own awareness of your sin and God's grace, nobody has to stand up and babysit and say, come on, you can do this. Let's be all in especially at this time of transition. See, there's a lion watching. And the ones that aren't as serious as they used to be are in the danger zone. As soon as he can, the sifter will strike. So if you want to come out of this time of transition unsifted, based upon these mistakes Peter made, I'd say this, stay close to Christ. Stay connected to this circle and stay committed to the cause. Stay close to Christ, stay connected to the circle, and stay committed to the cause. What happened to Peter in the end? Well, he went through some failure, didn't he? But look at verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he, had, how he had said unto him, Behold, before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. And that sounds well, like a terrible ending. Well, Peter made mistakes, but I want you to realize he, in the moment, he remembered the word of the Lord. And I don't know if he responded with real repentance, but it got to him. And that's why, in the end, he wasn't sifted because God's word took effect. And Peter responded and he yes, I know he went fishing, but not long after that that he's standing before thousands. And he's preaching and God's doing things he never dreamed that God would ever allow him to that night he almost got sifted. And if you'll re- if you'll remember Peter was that key figure in that early church. God allowed Peter to do great things. Countless souls were, still are, affected by Peter's leadership and preaching. And I think some great days for Eastside Baptist Church are ahead. And I believe God wants to use people in this room to make that difference. But what he needs is some people determined not to be sifted during a time of transition. Some that'll say, I will stay close to Christ. And I'll stay connected to this circle. And I'll stay committed to the cause. Let's stand together, every head bowed, every eye closed. Transitions coming, and the sifter's watching. How are you going to respond? You're going to be on the sidelines? Are you going to let space? Come between you and Christ? Are you going to be on the, on the sidelines, on the background? Are you going to let somebody else pick up the slack? Are you going to say, I know the sifter is watching, I know the sifter is lurking, and I know a time of transition might be the most dangerous time in our church. But I refuse to be the one to let the sifter get me. Stay close to Christ, stay connected to this circle. And stay committed to the cause. I'm going to pray and here in just a moment. We'll have a time of invitation. If God's spoken to your heart as he has with some already, you take the time to respond as you need to. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.